This episode of Goosebumps Crew is sponsored by Stevie Wicks Candle Company, specializing in quality-made scented candles. Link in the description, but more on that later. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to the Goosebumps Crew podcast. I'm your host, Isaiah Vargas, also known as the Goosebumps channel on YouTube, Twitter, and Instagram, and I'm joined once again by my Goosebumps cohorts, Bjorn Panwick, Goosebumps Saucy fan, and Nick Shaw Shawin. Unfortunately, Micah, also known as the Ultimate Goosebumps fan, was unable to join us this evening, but we're going to talk some more Goosebumps anyway. And tonight, we got a very special treat because we're going to be talking about some of our least favorite episodes of the 90s Goosebumps show. And we're going to be talking a little bit about the classic Goosebumps reissues, the reprints that came out in the late 2000s. But yeah, so we uh, we got some Goosebumps to talk about. Are you guys ready? Yeah! (laughs) Yeah! (laughs) All right, well, let's begin. We're going to talk about our least favorite episodes of the original Goosebumps show. Uh, And I will throw my hat into the ring first because I think uh, one that a lot of people love to pick on, and I do as well, uh, is Go Eat Worms. uh, I think that is one of the worst episodes of the original show, as well as being one of the worst books. Uh, what did you guys think of that episode, personally? Because I think it's not good at all. <laughs> I mean, I really have no hate towards it, and I have no love towards it. It's really, like, neutral for me. Like, I I watched it, like, twice, I think, my whole life. It's not something that's on my rewatch list, like, ever. So, you know, I mean, if I, if I had to watch it tomorrow, it wouldn't be torture. Let's put it that way. Like, some other... Yeah. Oh man, I mean, like the whole. I don't understand why anyone would have an obsession with worms. I mean, I know he like tortured them, sort of, you know, like, but man, I just, I don't get it. I really don't. Like, I understand people that have like an obsession for like spiders and maybe scorpions. Like, that's a little cooler, if you ask me. I mean, misunderstood, but like worms? Like, come on. I mean, you know, look, the book is also a little bit eh. So I, I knew going into the episode that I was probably not going to enjoy it. Although there are some moments that were kind of chilling, I guess, when I was a kid. Like the like when he's sleeping and like all the worms, kind of like they did in the new series where they're like crawling up through his nose and in his ears. I was like, oh, like that's a bit like much. Yeah. So I must admit there were some moments in there where I was like, this is kind of cool. But the overall plot and story and direction just... It was terrible, in my opinion. I mean, and the giant worms, like, I mean, oh. It just got too, it got too much into the, into the campy. It got too much into the, I think it was a little too gross of an episode. I mean, there's, you can obviously go gross for a Goosebumps episode, but I think this one just took it a little bit too far. It's not a really amazing story idea. Like I said, I don't know anyone who would have an obsession with worms, at least to the degree of this kid. And I don't know, he's just kind of a he's just kind of a dick. I mean, he's like he he he's just torturing everyone with these gross worms and it's like it doesn't make him endearing, it doesn't make him fun. I'm not really rooting for him. Um and I don't know where like so these worms want to like get revenge on him and I don't know. Yeah, and then there's just the 
it's just this giant worm for some reason in this big old like cave underground and like out of nowhere just i don't know it just doesn't make a whole lot of sense but i think it's just an episode that leaned way too heavy into the gross stuff that it kind of forgot to really tell an interesting or believably scary story so i don't know that's where i land for that it's not my least favorite episode of the show uh but it's one of my least favorites personally but um top five like bottom five bottom bottom sorry bottom five least favorite i mean yeah like honestly but you know what to those out there who do like the episode hey you know, you're allowed to like what you want. And I mean, if Go Eat Worms is one of your top five favorite episodes, like, good on you, man. Like, honestly, I'm sure there's someone out there that loves this episode. <laughs> but me... I, we cannot I mean, be friends. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. The ending of it was just ridiculous, too. Like... No, the, the ending was so weird. It was like, you know what? I think... So there's two things con- with this episode. Number one, I think the ending's better in the book. Because... I like the idea that a butterfly has him nailed to, like, what? He has him, like, nailed to a board or something. Instead of just getting drug out by, like, a fish. And it's just kind of like, will you let me go? And he's like, will you? Okay. I think he, I think the fish actually lets him go by the end. And it's like, well, okay. You just kind of got rid of all the, <laughs> of all the tension. Uh, but this is also a case where I think the new series actually outdid the original episode. Because I think the episode... Go Eat Worms in the new series is actually far better than the one in the original. And that's not often something that you can say about the new series. Yeah. But, uh, it's not a it's not a far stretch to beat that episode from the 90s. But granted, it's also not a far stretch that the ni- like the new series could be anything of the 90s. But this is the one case, yeah. Yeah, uh, where, it, where it did. It, I think it, really it just did. had better ideas. I like the idea of the worms. First of all, not to get too off track, but Lucas, well, it is like a symbiote. And I like that Lucas isn't obsessed with worms. It's like, it actually happens by accident. Like, and he just kind of likes it because he can't really get hurt. The worms like help him. Uh, And then I actually like more that the worms form a giant creature as opposed to they're just being like a giant worm. Right. Like, like the idea of a of a creature made of worms is not only more creative, but is more terrifying than just a giant worm. <laughs> so that's one instance where I think the new series out, really outdid uh, the original episode. But yeah, like it, you said, it became one giant worm by the end of the new Goosebumps series episode in a way. Yeah, they, but like you know, they they try to pull the gummy bear a bit from you know Goosebumps two. <laughs> Unfortunately, uh, there's no uh, there's no gummy bear song for worms, as far as I know. <laughs> maybe there should yeah. be. Um, another episode that I think is really bad, and uh, honestly, it it may be my least favorite, uh, is Say Cheese and Die Again. And we talked about this a little bit in the episode on Goosebumps sequels, but Say Cheese and Die Again is one of the worst follow-ups to a Goosebumps story uh, and the and the episode is no exception. Like the episode is just awful. <laughs> it's horrible. It has first of all, 
How dare you get rid of Ryan Gosling? Shame on you. <laughs> How That's dare you? About this. Literally, the only thing I had to say about this episode was you got rid of Ryan Gosling, so your star power is he's gone. I mean, is there do anyone you from the first episode? Uh, I don't think so. Sherry's not played by the same actress. I don't think the parents are. I don't think the brother... Maybe the brother is the same actor, but he also looks different, so I wouldn't be surprised. There's there's just... There's nothing. There's no Spidey in this story. Like, it's just... It's really... I don't know. It just... it That's another thing why I don't like this episode is because it changes so much. It's almost unrecognizable to the first episode, to the original it is. And we talked about this in the sequel episode, but I just think the idea of a sequel to Say Cheese and Die where he goes back and messes with the camera again for a school report is a really dumb idea. And um, I'm sorry, but there's one shot in that episode where he first finds out he's fat. And like, <laughs> it is the absolute worst <laughs> effect in the entire series is is that effect on him to make him look fat in the in the episode it looks better later because they actually put like makeup on him and he's in a suit but like that first one where they like use cg essentially is terrible it's awful (laughs) it is is terrible and like you said how he goes back and messes with the camera again it's like Nathan Bratt in the new series like wanted to bring Slappy back to life to help him with his like with his story. It's like, are you for real? Like, why is it that people have to keep going back to things in the Goosebumps universe? Like, I don't understand. Like, obviously, look what Slappy put you through in the new series. Like, I mean, going off track a little bit now, but it's a similar situation. So he's like, hey, I'm going to bring him back to life and he can help me finish this freaking thing I'm writing. And that's the same with this. It's like he went back to get with the camera to help with the school report. Like, why? Again, your best friend, your best friend disappeared. Police were investigating. You almost got your, I believe it was his father. I still haven't figured out whether or not it's his father or his brother, but your father almost got killed because of this thing. And I don't know, just because your teacher's kind of a dick and you don't write something that, that seems believable. Like, dude, why do you write? Why do you write a report about a cursed camera? Do you really think someone's gonna believe you? You think everybody's gonna be like, "Oh, do tell"? Like, nobody's gonna <laughs> believe you. Nobody's gonna believe you. I'm sorry. Look, kids in Goosebumps books. I'm sorry. No one's gonna believe you <laughs> if you go, if you go around telling people that a camera is causing the future to happen. Everyone's gonna think you're crazy. I'm sorry. That's just how the world <laughs> works. It is. Brady, there are no wolves in the swamp. <laughs> yeah, that one, that one kind of is like I feel like that one's on the parents, but in this scenario, it's on it's on you, Greg. I'm sorry, Greg, but that everything that happens in this episode, it, it's on the parents in that one. But at the same time, I mean, I get where he was going with that because yeah, it's it's the same goosebumps trope that's throughout basically everything. You know, well, that was the one instance where I'm like, the parents are a little too freaking stupid. <laughs> it's like, you got, okay. Like, again, we're getting off track. But in the Werewolf of Fever Swamp, it's literally, literally, there's a, some kind of animal chews through your, your chained fence and bites through a, <laughs> literally bites through wood. 
clean and you think it's just a random dog no there's and they're they're worried about deer it's like grady's like like do you think like what kind of animal does that to a fence and they're like oh i gotta catch these deer it's like who cares about the deer get the hell out of dodge <laughs> Oh, man. Clearly that little dog. I mean, now, you know, Vandal was a decent-sized dog, but he wasn't no, like, mastiff or anything crazy. You know no. what I mean? He, he was basically, like, your average dog. Yeah, there's no... <laughs> dogs can't bite through wood that clean. <laughs> right. Yeah. The fact that he this chain-link fence, killed all these deer, and somehow, you know, just, I don't know, like, the the, the parents were so dumb. The yeah, for, sci- they were for smart people, they're pretty dumb. <laughs> yeah, they were oh scientists. Yeah, I don't get it. Most. But anyway, back to say shit and die again. Um, <laughs> die. <laughs> say, say cheese and shit your pants. I don't know. It's it's it's, it's terrible. It's a, the more I talk about it, the more I hate it more because it's just it's such a dumb idea for a story. It doesn't have any of the original actors back. Again, maybe the brother is the original actor, but I don't think so. It doesn't look as good. It doesn't have the same pacing. It's re- it's too goofy. And you know what? I will say I do kind of find the ending funny. Like I like how the the asshole teacher kind of gets what's coming to him like that that part was funny and how he's like losing his hair and then greg's like he goes from shock to like he's like all right man hey look i told you i told you it's like there you go there's your proof honestly he should have done that you know if you're gonna go back and get that camera just take his picture and be like you believe me now like don't mess with it (laughs) yourself I don't go out of my way to go back and rewatch these episodes as well. Like, generally when I watch Goosebumps, I'm just going to put on the, the ones that I love, you know, like, which is, like, a good 85% of them. Um, What's the thing? There's, yeah, like, the show is cheesy, but sometimes it leans a little too much into the cheesy. Like, I think it gets a little too goofy. Like, you remember at the beginning of the episode where Grady has a... a oh, Grady. Greg has a nightmare sequence with the... The, the the skeleton and he has the camera he's like say cheese and like come on man hey even across the episode they keep saying like you keep hearing like some kind of voice saying like say cheese say cheese say cheese like it's like that's that's dumb that's stupid <laughs> so i don't know say cheese and die again it sucks we're moving on <laughs> we're moving on um, I want to talk a little bit about some of those episodes that are based on the tales to give you goosebumps stories, because I think a lot of the crap in this series kind of comes from that group of episodes. Now, not all of them are bad. Uh, I do like The House of No Return. I think that's a pretty good ghost story. Um, I didn't mind Click, to be honest. I thought that one was kind of funny. Hey. Um... There's a movie based on that now, and I still believe that, that Adam Sandler ripped that off. Yeah, I think so too. Think <laughs> even even just the scene where he's changing the colors of the fish, dude, he does the exact same thing in the car, and he goes, "Oh, don't get the Hulk angry," and then he changes into purple and goes, "Oh, there's Barney. I love you. You <laughs> love me." 
he does the same thing with the fish in the clip episode. He changes them to green to purple. I'm like, dude, they, they've literally ripped off this. Like, did Iral Stein get any kind of compensation for this? Like, that's a question I'd ask him. Did they come to you when they wanted to use your story of Click from Goosebumps for the movie? Like, I love the I love the scene in Click where he's like messing with the bully like that that's funny like oh uh, yeah yeah <laughs> or he's he's like changing the channel on him and he keep he like changes clothes and he turns into the bunny he's like oh can you say Holman is a bully <laughs> like that's <laughs> I thought that was funny uh, I like how the friend even though the friend is like you should get rid of that that's the one part where he's like yeah this is kind of awesome. <laughs> yeah i think i think the creepiest character was the the president of armchair electronics i think he was pretty creepy like continued misuse of the verona xg like anytime he would call him up you know and he would talk to him i thought that was pretty creepy and the little jingle ding 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 ding, ding. like yeah that was the creepy part of the episode in my opinion anything to do with that was sort of a little bit kind of creepy and chilling but overall it wasn't really what I consider one of the more spooky episodes. Um, I don't know. I mean, it, I more like it just because it's, it's go- it, like that's it's the right amount of goofy for me, and it just has scenes that I find are funny in it. Um, yeah. Like I said, I think the House of No Return is really the only one that like I think is a, a legitimately good episode uh, yeah. because it it actually is creepy. I think it has a really good ending. Um, yeah, and I just I don't know. Scary. I'm a sucker for ghost for ghost stories. Like that's just a really good ghost story, but most of them are really bad. Like uh, an old story. I don't like an old story. <laughs> yeah, because yeah, your grandkids is a great idea for your old buddies. Like, come on, man. Like that's just messed up. Mm-hmm. I liked that episode for what it was because I thought that was a hilarious concept. The fact that it's hilarious, but has like their aunt or whatever she was to them, like, turning them old to pimp out to her old gal pals. I thought that was yeah. a concept. But, oh, Click, you know, yeah. I didn't care for Click whatsoever. Uh, I watched it, like, one time, and no, never again. It was just, like, I don't know, like, it, the whole thing, like, but I will say, the his sister was super annoying, and I loved when he used that remote on her, so. Yeah, I was like, I was like, thank you, Lord. Yes. <laughs> um, another one, uh, but yeah, I mean, old story. I, we talked about an old story in the past, so I won't dwell on it too much. But it's not. I don't think it's terrible. I just don't think it's a good episode. But it's it's fun. It's a it's a funny episode. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's quirky. It's one of those like um like I remember watching that episode with my mom, and even she kind of was like, "What the hell is this? Like, why is she like feeding them these pr- like?" And then when she was pimping them out for her, like, old gal pals, yeah, she was like, what, is this, like, grooming and Goosebumps? Like, what is this? It's <laughs> <laughs> exactly what it is. And I'm like, it's no, the it's... Oh, They did weird stuff in some of these movies and shows, you know, and Goosebumps had a few controversial stuff, so this must be one of those sort of moments, like, and can we just talk about the fact that they put that episode on the Bride the Living Dummy VHS? I just got to quickly point that out. That was a very weird... That is a really weird pairing of episodes. <laughs> While we're talking about it, yeah, like that's a weird pairing, definitely. Yeah. But one episode we got to really talk about that was, you know, pretty bad. Awesome ants. <laughs> uh, yeah. Uh, <laughs> I don't have any harsh feelings towards it. I just think it's a dumb idea. 
Because, I mean, again, we talked about go eat worms. This is basically just go eat worms with ants. Like, it's just go eat with giant ants. You got giant ants instead of giant worms. Um, and they already did giant ants. They did a giant ant in uh, in more monster blood. So it's not even that original. But um, there's also uh, strained peas. <laughs> I hate... I hate stories about babies, like, that try to, like, like, older kids and baby siblings, and they, like, and this is just dumb. Like, this is the, like, parents won't believe me setup than the, like, the most annoying extreme. Yeah, monster baby. It's a monster baby. Like, didn't it, I swear it, I haven't seen the episode in, like, five, six plus years. It talks, right? The baby It talks. has the ugliest CG mouth I've ever seen. Like, I'm sorry. But between this and freaking Say Cheese and Die, this show had some bad CGI. You want to talk about the bad CGI in Goosebumps 2 and Goosebumps 1? Goosebumps 90 show was terrible <laughs> CGI. And yes, I mean, you can attribute... It's the 90s. I get it. But it looks so bad. And yes, it, it's Strain Peas... The baby talks. It's a really annoying, like, yimmy, yimmy, I'm going to be yelling like me. With yeah, this, yeah. This realistic mouth that just goes, like, it's <laughs> ugly, 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 ugly episode. It looks like freaking Son of the Mask. We'll <laughs> do something like that. They had, like, CG eyes over whatever the green Yeah, they put, like, they put, like, monster eyes, like, in one scene. And it's just, like... This is stupid. This is dumb. It eats a rat in the episode. It eats like a hamster or something, and then it coughs it up, and it's just like... Yeah, I remember that. And then the parents... So the parents find out off-screen that the kid is not theirs. So they basically do this whole switched-at-birth thing where, oh, they got the kids switched up, and they got, like, a monster baby. And they somehow didn't think that there was anything wrong with this kid... Because, again, Goosebumps' parents are dumb as hell. <laughs> and, yeah, and then the ending is... 100% involved, yeah. The, it seems like that's another trope, is it's all on the kids, which is what Stein goes for in the books, too. So, I mean, that's not surprising, I guess, but... I just think I mean, this is a... It's smarter. Yeah, well, I, I get what he's going for. He's trying to do the whole thing where the kids, like... Nobody believes them, so they feel isolated. It's like I, I get it, and there's there's times where that can be done well. I think Living Dummy Two is a time. A lot of the slappy books are kind of like that. Um, but this was just like this is your kid, and your kid's not acting right. Like, but you're gonna call your your son like crazy, or you're gonna punish him because you're too freaking stupid to figure it out. And then yeah, and then they find out, and I don't think they even like apologize or anything. They're just kind of like, oh well, oh. I guess. Yeah, it's like, you fucking assholes! Like, say say sorry to your child. He tried to tell you. <laughs> and oh and uh, oh and they still end up getting a baby that can talk. So I guess that's just that. Yeah. That was such a dumb episode. It's so dumb. It, like, makes me angry how dumb that episode is. Oh, yeah. It's terrible. What's your least favorite episode, Sean? Over here, already said it. <laughs> no, we didn't say it. Um, hmm. Probably unpopular opinion, but like I said, I, I don't 
before we even started recording, like, I don't really like the trilogy episodes. Mm-hmm. I don't yeah. know. Pizza I don't hate them. Probably my absolute least favorite episode. But trilogy is like right above that to me. Like, I had rather watch Go Eat Worms and all that other, you know, crappy Ch- before Trilogy I is interesting. I like, well, I mean, it was the only episodes or group of episodes uh, in the original series to not be based on a book or a story. It was a completely original concept. Right. And it's an interesting concept, but yeah, it's it's a little too weird because uh, so you got the first episode with you know the the snooty greedy girl and she turns into a pig um <laughs> uh which is I, <laughs> here we are we're making pig noises welcome to the channel ladies and gentlemen <laughs> welcome to the channel if you're new by the way um anyway um no so you got that first episode i like the second one the best i like the idea of a baseball game that's like completely rigged and it's kind of like a they keep on like on messing with it like they move the they move the bases farther away or you have to like traverse a, a cliff to get to the next one i kind of like that and then the third yep. one's just like oh no i guess we got to save the little kid i guess yeah i i wasn't the biggest fan of the trilogy episodes like yeah i think i mean yeah, I think part two was probably my favorite of the three, even though that fire CGI effect was just god-awful. Uh, let's not forget that. Uh, but I think story-wise, I think I enjoyed it more because, the, yeah, I think the baseball concept is probably what got me, honestly. Um, you know, because I like baseball, even though it's it's not a thing here in Australia. But um, I do like baseball, so I think... And I think I can thank the Sandlot movies for that. It made me a fan of baseball. Um, but yeah, no, I, I think, yeah, I agree with you on part two probably being the better one out of the three. I mean, I didn't really like the whole first one. I think it was, I mean, once again, I think the adult characters were probably the scariest thing about it in Kylesville. Like when they couldn't get their lemonade, you know, just the reaction, I think, was from all the adults was kind of like, she was squeezing us. Like, <laughs> get the you know, like, it was think... kind of funny. I like the extras. I thought they were. I like when she brought up Carl. Is like Carl loves bacon. Oh, Carl! <laughs> and then he just appears. He's like on top. He's like, oh, ha, ha, ha. get the pig. Like that. That was kind of yeah. funny. I I thought it was funny. Uh, is he sets you up? Carl sets you up so that he can get you in the end. Like that's the whole concept of the trilogy series, and you know and. Yeah, I, I I don't think they're the greatest episodes, but, you know, but then there's, like, there's some episodes that, like, I know a lot of people that aren't big fans of The Perfect School, but I actually liked The Perfect School. I thought Perfect I thought School the, was good. I think it was creepy concept. Imagine being cloned only to be stuck in a freaking cage forever. Like, what even happens to the kids eventually? Do they starve, you know? Like, what what is the final, you know, what happens? Like, I mean, obviously, Stein always leaves it up to your imagination in the end, but you know, the idea of, like, being taken to the school where, like, they're literally, like, cloning you and they're going to stick you in a cage and send the clone home with your parents, you know? Like, I think that's such a cool idea, and I've had some people tell me they don't like it, but I love that episode, man. I think The Perfect School is one of those. Unpopular opinion, maybe. Well, apparently not. No, I agree. I, I think I it's it's not one of my favorites, but it is one that I think 
it does a really good job. I think it is one that does merit its double its double length because uh, I feel like it it does really set up the tension in this place. Uh, yeah. and even without the clone thing, I think just the idea of being stuck in a school like this where they kind of ride you and you just kind of feel isolated and alone, I think is kind of a creepy concept. Uh, yeah. Nick, you mentioned uh, Teacher's Pet. Let's talk about Teacher's Pet. Because <laughs> um, that one is it's bad, too. And you know what? It's a shame because uh, the main Michelle Risi, who was, uh, played the main actress, uh, she did die uh, shortly after... I, was mm-hmm. it? I think was it shortly after the episode finished filming or premiered? I think it was after uh-huh. they finished filming. Uh, she did pass away. Yeah, and um, and um, yeah, it was. It's sad, but I just I don't know. There's that's another one where I think it just meanders. It's not really interesting. I think the effects are really bad. I I remember like seeing the ending for the first time with the the fly with the human head on it and i was like that is stupid as hell you got that wrong you got that wrong and like and it, and it's like it's not even like good looking because they like messed with his face so his like eyes are big and his mouth is small so it's just like it's not look like a fly human face I, I get but oh god it was so bad it was really bad it was terrible uh and what was, what was there was another tales to give you goosebumps at all so that i really didn't like i can't remember what it was uh well while i think about it let's talk about uh some of the ones i didn't like from the earlier seasons namely i do not like night and terror tower I do not oh. like Night and Terror Tower. Oh. I am I sorry. I am sorry, but I do not like Night and Terror Tower because I think it is boring. I think it is a very boring episode. Because, okay, so you got time travel. Okay, so you got two kids that time travel back to the past. You got an executioner coming after them. And they are revealed to be a long lost king or prince and princess. And they were sent to the future. Spoiler alert! (laughs) And they were sent to the future. But they also essentially have nothing and their memories they quickly find out their memories are fake so it's kind of pointless it, 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 it's a pointless story i'm sorry i don't the, i think the book's better the book the book is fine i don't think the episode's very good i think the extras in it are also very weird and they overact a lot And I just walk out of it saying, man, the British are dicks. (laughs) Like, everybody in this episode is just really mean to these two kids, like, that are just trying to... With me, we sell British pounds, hey? Yeah. Like, it's just, these people are so mean to these kids, like... So they're running for their lives from this strange man, and they get out of the sewer, and this guy... It's just like, what are you doing in the sewer? 
and they're just like, there was a man chasing us. And he's like, I don't believe you. I shall call the police. Like, two kids just said they were being chased by someone, and you're going to call the cops on them? Like, that's kind of messed up, dude. And then they go to the hotel, and the hotel guy is just like, what do you want? What is your room? Like, it's like, dude, get, like, can you try to look a little, <laughs> like, like you care a little bit? I don't know. That dude was at work. I totally understand that. And it's just like but, the moment these kids come up to him, he's just like, you know, job it wasn't for people. Yeah. <laughs> and then you got the, the woman in like the big frilly coat and she's like, do you think it might be possible to get a room sometime this evening? <laughs> you've you. got that, that you've actually got that down pretty well that <laughs> thank you <laughs> how many times um, have you watched that episode <laughs> i've watched it a few times my favorite <laughs> one though just because of how uh, insane it is is the when they're in the the restaurant and uh there's yeah. the woman who's eating like the pastry and she's just like hmm and then like she gets like a little bit on her face she's like but besides that it's just like okay so Catherine short who was in um haunted mask plays sue in this episode and uh um cory sevier plays uh eddie now i yeah. these these two kids are are fine, and actually, I I believe that they would be like brother and sister. They have good chemistry. I just think that there's a lot of this episode is just a lot of running around and like doesn't really go anywhere. And then when they go to the past, it's it's cool. I I like the set pieces they have. I like the castle. I think the castle's pretty neat. I just think it's really boring. Like I feel like it just takes a while to get where we need to be. I don't think it makes a whole lot of sense. They'd be, be sent back or sent to the future because the guy gets them anyway. So, mm. yes, Nick. I got to disagree just a little bit because so I I found it intriguing, at least when the episode's progressing, like they start to lose their memory. Like, I can't remember who my mom and dad are. I can't remember this. And you as an audience member still don't know why if you haven't read mm. the book. So you're sitting there going through this journey with them. And then when, even when they go to the past, like, they're obviously still don't know where they are, like, who they are. And as it pr- slowly progresses, I mean, it is a little slow. But at the same time, I kind of see why they were trying to go that route. Because mm-hmm. to them, they were thrown into the future. That's all they knew was the present. That was their present, I should say. <clears throat> so, yeah. To the past, not knowing where they are, who they are, until they meet sorcerer and obviously they get their memories back and things like that and then that's when the story kind of really picked up mm-hmm. so i mean I, I get why they did what they did but i will agree all the the extras man they really wanted their 15 seconds of fame to really that like, was like spider-man two I, levels of extras overreacting <laughs> no. um no I you know what and, tonally tonally it was kind of like slow like you know yeah. like i, I get right. what you mean like um, but I know a lot of people that love the episode too. Like oh. it's just for some people, it's like the favorite, you know, but you know what I think it was, it's like the most common, like back in the nineties, it was like the most common VHS tape you could get for goosebumps. Like, so I think a oh, yeah. lot of people bought it and watched it. And it, I think it might've became like, I can't really say from, ex- well, actually, no, I sort of can like kids in the nineties. That was such an accessible episode. And 
like even like when the movie came out for instance they were replaying some episodes on the disney channel and they even played they played like a night hotel and i living dummy the more like two-part episodes but when i was a kid even in like the early 2000s when i just caught sort of the tail end of the goosebumps hype that was the vhs tape i was finding everywhere like i could never find night the living dummy i could never find the wealth fever swamp or stay out of the basement like those things were rare they were hard to get um See, the night hotel was so easy to find like and i think i watched it a lot as a kid um just because i had it you know and um yeah but i, I kind of get what you mean now watching it like yeah tonally it's kind of slow and a little boring but it picks up and it gets more exciting later down the line that's for sure i think the moment the executioner steps foot in the room and he starts demanding the stones like and to come with him i think that's where things start to pick up um but that whole opening sequence is quite slow uh yes definitely well okay i'm gonna backtrack a little bit because thinking about it more okay so yes i do like that as the episode goes on, they start to realize that their memories are gone. I think that is intriguing. Like I said, I like the sets. And I will say the one thing I do like about the opening is how they're kind of talking when they're talking like about the executions and all that and the torture machines. Like I think for a kid having to like really think about that kind of stuff is mm. a little creepy. Um, and yeah, when, when we go back, when we start getting into the meat and potatoes, we find out we meet, um, uh, Morgred, that's the name of the sorcerer. So when we meet Morgred and we find out who he is and he tells us like what's going on, then it starts getting interesting because you're like, okay, now this is where, like, this is why we're here. This is what it's all about, which is kind of why I wish they would just kind of yada yada. So we get to, so we find out, I don't know. It's, I guess I don't know what I really want from this episode. I just think my main problem is it's it's just boring. I just think it spends yep. a little too much time building things up. I don't think I like that it doesn't explain a lot, but I also kind of wish it explained a little more because you're just kind of like, okay, well, what does this all mean? These kids don't know where they are. There's this guy chasing them. He's just like, you'll come with me. And it's just like, well, okay, so, but why? Like, why is this guy chasing them? Who is he? Like, I kind of would like to know a little more going in. So I'm like, okay, like, this is kind of why we are where we are. But I'm nitpicking, and I'm probably in a minority with that. It's just, let's put it this way. I don't hate the episode. It's just of the, like, original two-parters, it's my least favorite of those. It's the slower one. It's the slower one of the of the original two-parters. Like, and I get it. I, I've met a lot of people that, I've said that they're not a big fan of that episode too. And then I meet a lot of people that say they do like it. So I think Terra Tower was like one of those, it might be one of those love it, hate it sort of things like 50, 50, like some people really gel with it. And some people really don't like some people just want the monsters, you know, this feels a little more like, yeah, like medieval and old school. And some people aren't really into that, you know, and I guess it would have more of a slow kind of a tone, you know, to the actual feel of it and the setting and everything. But um yeah no it's one of those it's one of those agree to disagree episodes for a lot of people i think yeah definitely yeah and i know people i know people like this episode i'm not gonna take that away from you guys i don't think it's terrible i'm not like oh this episode sucks it's just not one that i personally gel with um personally so yeah mm, I'm trying um, to think of, what about what about uh what about uh it came from beneath the sink <laughs> 
Like, um, I thought it was okay. I thought it was I'm fine. A, yeah, I get a lot of love hate with it. And, uh, like, just from what I've heard from people that I've spoken to, like, some people say they hate the episode and it looks terrible and it's like the acting is atrocious. And I'm like, I kind of get some of the things they're saying, but it's one of those episodes that I grew up with, you know, and I, I didn't really see any of that as a kid. So now I, I watch it and I just enjoy it for what it is. You know, like, it's... A, I like the design of the sponge. I, I think they made the sponge look cool because it, yes, it looks like a sponge, but it also doesn't. That's something that I think that I like that they did is that it kind of does and it doesn't look like a sponge and it has like those red eyes so it like kind of looks a little creepy I like how kind of at some points it has like the teeth inside and it's like really gnarly teeth too like that's interesting um and I mean I don't know I I do like one thing I do like that even though it kind of starts out like nobody will believe me sort of thing they kind of drop it midway through because her brother and her friend finally figure out, and then it's the three of them instead of just one person being like, oh, no one believes me. So then it becomes a mission of, okay, now now how do we get rid of this thing? Hmm. So they don't dwell on it too much. That's one thing I like. And then you can focus more on the how are we going to get rid of the monster sort of thing. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, what about, what's another I one? I, deep trouble. Gotta be, Deep Trouble, I don't mind that much. I know a lot of people... Some people don't like Season 4. Season 4 was a very, very short season. It was four two-part episodes. Cry the Cat, How I Got My Shrunken Head, um, Ghost Next Door, and uh, Deep Trouble. Ghost Next Door is the one that people like the most. Um, Yeah, I I think, I honestly think... I'm I'm a fan of that episode to be honest. Like I actually really enjoy it. Um, yeah, I I remember like as a kid I got the DVD. It was like back when Goosebumps first came out on DVD, and I remember mm-hmm. that was one of, like the first ones. And I remember like yeah, I had that one when I was like I know eleven or twelve. And oh dude, like I used to watch it all the time. Like I love the Ghost Next Door. I love the book. Love the episode. That season four. That's like the little gem episode in my opinion. That's the gold the golden yeah <laughs> golden episode. <laughs> Um, but yeah, I know a lot of weakest one out of them, all of them, in my opinion. Anyway, I, I didn't care for Cry the Cat. I mean, I like the special effects makeup they did for, you know, the actors and stuff. You know, when they showed like, you know, cat lady. Well, yeah, the, stuff. yeah, but, the mom, the mom with like the the gnarled up yeah. cat face, like that was interesting. Yeah, um, that was interesting. And I mean, I, I do like the design of of Rip itself. Like, it doesn't even look like a cat. It looks like a creature. Like, that's cool. But I feel like it, I feel like Cry the Cat got a little too meta. I because it, it's the whole thing is that it's it's a movie. It's a, so these are actors on a movie set and they're making a movie. But oh no, the it looks like the movie is real, and so there's a lot of correlation. But it's just like I think like it got a little too meta. I don't think it's that interesting. I think I don't know. It it it. I don't hate it. It's just kind of a meh to me. I don't think it had to be a two-parter, personally. I think it could have been a one-part. There's a lot of episodes... There's a lot of the two-parter episodes I think could have just been one part. Uh, We'll get into one of them in a little bit, because there is one I think sorely needed to be only one part. Um, But I didn't mind Deep Trouble. I didn't think Deep Trouble was that bad of an episode, personally. I I thought it was kind of interesting. 
it kept my attention. I mean, it wasn't great, but it wasn't one I would throw as like one of the worst episodes they had. No, uh, definitely not in my top ten, but it's also not in my bottom ten either. So it sits kind of somewhere in between all the other episodes. I kind of like that it ends with the. I mean, again, that's another episode I don't think needed to be two parts. I think they could have essentially put it in one episode. Um, but I did like the giant puffer fish that's like shooting out, out like uh, what what do you call it? Like I'll call it stingers. It's shooting out stingers all over the room and like breaking stuff. I like the mutated fish people, even though some of them are are recycled. Uh, designs from like shocker on shock street um yeah i thought that was kind of cool i like the one that's kind of like a crab so he's got like the big red face and then like the big crab claw like that was cool um no i i I thought it was interesting i i i don't think it's a great episode but i i don't mind it i put it on every once in a while and it keeps my attention um we're gonna talk about how about my shrunken head? Like that one weird. That is a weird episode. I was so tired of hearing that freaking spell. One thing I gotta know is what the hell was that game he was playing on the computer? Where he's where he's literally saying, Kalia! Kalia! It's like the weird jungle man. Kalua. Like, I could use some Kalua. <laughs> <laughs> Like, I, I always wondered what that was, but I must admit, I, I kind of liked the design of the shrunken head. I thought it was pretty cool. Like, it looked like the book, sort of. Like, I, you it know, I, I didn't find the design of it. I mean, but, yeah, it's another episode. But when you look at who's actually in that episode, it's pretty crazy. Like, you have, um, from Night Living Dummy 2, you have Mr. Mister uh, Kramer, the, the dad from Night Living John Dummy Kramer? 2. John Kramer? <laughs> John Kramer. Oh no. From <laughs> so you've got a few other actors from other episodes in there too. So I guess that's what kind of helped it for me as well. Like there was some familiar faces. Um, but it's just a weird terrible. episode. It's... It was cringe when he went to like Hawaii or whatever, and there was like the Elvis dude. Like you know, I thought yeah. it was all strange, you know cringe to me. But yeah, I mean, some people I've spoken to love that episode. Like one of my good friends that lives here in Australia. Like... When he's like rising, he finally uses the power and he rises out and he's just like, he's like doing backflips in the air and stuff. It's like, uh, (laughs) come on. He's like, Kalia, Kalia. It's just like, come on. That on my channel for a little bit there. I was was taking the piss out. I kept putting my videos like, Kalia, Kalia, Kalia. I love like the end of the, I love the end of part one with the the guy with like the white eyes. And that's the, that's the note you leave off on that episode with. <laughs> yeah. Or the or part one that is. I don't know. That one's just. I don't hate it. I just think it's weird. It's one of the really weird episodes and one of the weird books, to be honest. Um, better it did have John Kramer. I agree. With <laughs> we just have John Kramer. Just have freaking Saw and Goosebumps. Like that'd be funny. Have Slappy meet Billy. <laughs> the Shrunken Head became one of the mascots. Like he was used on a lot of stuff. Like, like it's, it's weird that the mascots they chose when you think about it. And like the shrunken head was one of those, but it's nostalgic to me, man. Like I got so much stuff with the shrunken head on it. Like I love it. You know, I love yeah. the, design, the, the the cartoony mascot version of it as well. And the book cover is so iconic, man. Like it's honestly like, I love it. It yeah, is that's... a really iconic one. Yeah, there it is. 
I love that. I do. Yeah. I love that. Uh, we got to talk about yeah, some of the. It looks like some uh, Beetlejuice. Remember, there's like the dude with the little. Yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> it looks like yeah, that. It looks like yeah. Um, oh, we got to talk about some of the episodes that our old buddy Jontron talked about. Like, um, we got to talk about "Don't Go to Sleep." <laughs> if um, you want bad child acting, go to "Don't Go to Sleep." <laughs> Oh boy, that one is. If you want a weird goosebumps episode, that is your. That is the Mac Daddy of them all. You know what you do before that episode plays? You get someone to do this really hard, and, you and just, then you go to sleep. Yeah, yeah. Stuff, You don't have to sit to it. That's that's one of the worst. Oh my god, dude! Like I. Well, I just gotta say, I never thought I'd see a Men in Black goosebumps crossover. <laughs> Because that's clearly what it is. It's clearly doing Men in Black. I think, like, wasn't wasn't the movie coming out around that time? Wasn't the first Men in Black around that time anyway? Yeah, so it's clearly supposed to be Men in Black. 97 wasn't it the first Men in Black, I think. I'll have to look and see if the episode came out and when Men in Black came out, because... I just think that I just think the correlation is way too coincidental to, to, to be a coincidence, that is. I hate um, during this episode on that damn phone. I wanted to just freaking, I wanted to rip it out of the socket on the walls. Like, you just, <laughs> damn phone. <laughs> and just, and Matt is like, look, bless that kid wherever he is right now. Hope he's doing well. But good God, that kid cannot act to save his fucking life. <laughs> just like when he's like, when he's screaming, it's like, ah. Well, uh, that's uh, why I think of the JonTron video because it's just like, oh. <laughs> well, that's hand in hand with some of those other episodes too. I mean, like, not every episode has like the best acting ever. No. We even talked about in a previous episode about Night of Living Dummy Three and all their screaming when you know Slappy was there. Yeah. Uh, uh, amazing episode. That's just the one moment. In that yeah. episode, that like you can you can nitpick at all you want. Like the episode well, is like a ten for me. Like it's so well done, and then there's just that one part. They're like, "Oh, you uh, did!" So oh that, no! She, I can't remember her name, but she played Trina. So there was another scene too when they were trying to figure out um, how to stop Slappy, and they were like, "What about the card?" You know? Yeah, they're like. Oh man, her acting was so bad. Yeah, well, yeah, literally, their cousin's a freaking ventriloquist yeah. dummy, and she's like, "Wait, we gotta find the card with Slappy's words on it. We gotta stop him. We gotta stay calm." It's like you don't seem like you're, you don't exactly seem like you're losing your mind right now. So I think you got that under control. <laughs> also, uh, the kid playing Dan in that one scene had like a lisp. Did you guys notice that? Yeah. Like, that was the one scene where he had, like, it was like a spell or something. <laughs> like, that was, like, the one scene where it's, like, he was, like, he got a bit of a list. Oh, that's going to lead us to the other episode. Speaking about Dan Blair Slater, who uh, appeared in The Barking Ghost. Barking Can we just... Uh, Are we going to talk about The Barking Ghost now? <laughs> yeah, that's pretty bad. That episode ends with a guy with a squirrel voice. <laughs> Honestly, though, the dude who played his brother looked exactly like Sid in Toy Story. Dude, <laughs> go back and watch it. The brother. Okay. He does. Have, he really does. I was there for this one, but 
this kid looked like Sid from Toy Story. I'm telling you now, the one that played the brother. He had the same haircut, the buck teeth, everything. Same head okay. shape. Did you guys notice that a lot of later season Goosebumps had scenes or like ending scenes with hyper-realistic animal shots? Like, I feel like Barking yeah. Ghost and uh, I think Deep Trouble had it too. Like just a lot of hyper-realistic animals or Big shots of animals. Good. Teacher's Pet. <laughs> They had that too. Um, going back, uh, but no, I just, I, I mean, that John Tron video does not lie. All three of the episodes he talks about, oh yeah, <laughs> we got to talk about my hairiest adventure. <laughs> look, 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 look. Think about okay. that. That episode is funny. I like it ironically because that episode, I love, God. I love the the main kid Larry in that episode because his acting is so like he's his acting is so bad it's hilarious. <laughs> dessert when he falls off. Dessert when he falls off. was that lame or what? <laughs> I don't want food. I want answers. <laughs> Guys, when he falls out of the tree, he goes. Uh, yeah, she's pretty cool, you know, for a girl. Pinching <laughs> me all the time. Stupid dogs. Honestly, though, like, I love the ending, though, when, like, it's just taken over and he's like, Mom! Dad! <laughs> I remember, I, I'm going to say something kind of embarrassing because I remember that actually scaring me because they used it in the Goosebumps Cartoon Network commercial. And, like, that that kind of scared me a bit. But, like, now I watch it now, and it's, like, so dumb and goofy, because it's just... It's just got his head. It's got hair all around. <laughs> Man. They tried it's just to do such a goofy idea. That ending, I feel like they just tried to do the book cover with all the hair, like, covering everything. I was like, they just... They're trying to recreate that book cover at the end. Like, that's, that's all I and felt. <laughs> And that's where the the dog in the intro comes from, is that episode that they use that shot. Something good came every, out. Larry Boyd on every every Goosebumps intro, Larry Boyd, <laughs> right there. Uh, and then we go, of course, got to talk about Ghost Beach. Oh, I like. Do we talk about that one? You ever hear about Aurora Borealis? <laughs> Aurora Borealis. At this time of year, at this time of day, <laughs> in this part of the country, localized entirely within your kitchen. Oh, good. You yeah. liked it, Sean. That was your favorite one. Like, one of your favorite episodes? Or? Uh, oh, no. I liked it. I mean, it wasn't, again, probably, it's not even in my top ten, but I liked it. I mean, I enjoyed it. I still watch it from time to time. I don't. I'm sorry. I, you don't have to apologize. That, you don't like Sarah Dower. So, you know, and I do. That's the thing yeah. about, you know, Goosebumps. Man. No, I, 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 look, I know I just talked about how I thought My Harry's Adventure was fun for how bad that one is. This one's just bad. Yeah. That, that one girl with that one creepy girl is just like, has this weird, like almost British accent. He's like, do you see the opening of those rocks? Yeah. After she does like the the pointless like 180 spin when she could have just been like she go she goes like do you see those rocks up there? <laughs> yeah, I think I think the part of that episode that really just 
kind of killed it for me though was the part where they're like they become the ghosts and they got like the weird skeleton faces i was like <laughs> i mean that like things like that i feel like get out of here you bastards i'm sick of your shit <laughs> like they could have for things like that i feel like maybe they could have but um yeah like i think there's little moments of cgi in the show that you watch and you think they could have probably done practical for that and it would have looked better um you know and I, I feel like there's there's quite a bit of that in goosebumps um but that's what I mean. Like, but then you have some episodes, yeah, like the Haunted Mask, Night Living Dummy, they're just phenomenal, you know. And and Stay of the Basement is phenomenal, you know. Like, there's and a lot of those had more practical effects, and they looked great. So at any time they seem to lean more on that in the TV show, it worked better, and it just well, you looked had better. such an amazing like you had Ron Stefanik and his crew that just made amazing like props and costumes and makeup, and then you just have like stuff like that that just looks so unbelievably cheap even by 90s standards i'm sorry there's some 90s shows that could pull off cg better than that i know this was low budget but like i don't know i'll always i'll always be practical over digital what i don't always understand with goosebumps is the budget was so (laughs) for the show but at the time this was the biggest selling book series so like how did they not have more money to make something more special because well it is special not saying that but i'm talking for the seed for the dodgy parts for, you know of the series that we're yeah. talking about referring to why did they not have more money to make it look better when you look at how big it was how much money it was being made every month like when Arl stein said they were selling over four million books a month i'm like dude scholastic was just racking in it's as if they like were like oh we'll put a bit of money in the show but you know the books are our main priority you know like it's as if you know you wonder how some of that CGI didn't look better with how much money Goosebumps was actually making back then. Like, it's kind of crazy. I think a yeah. lot of that goes with, like, budgeting. Like, you'll have a TV budget, you'll have a book budget, you'll have this budget. So, you say they made $4 million a month just on books. They might be able to allocate some of that to, say, the TV show that was running at the time. But, you know, it was a Fox production as well. So I don't know how much they were throwing in, if anything, or if they were just providing the the network to, you know, put it out there. Because it was all Parachute Press, Scholastic, that you saw at the end of the episodes, you know what I mean? Like when they ran the credits, you don't really see Fox a lot. So, and we all know Parachute Press and Scholastic always have their, you know, back and forth with stuff. That's why we unfortunately when, lost a lot of good stuff going down the road later but and this show was done by saban who was also doing power rangers and uh beetleborgs and all that and i mean those shows are infamous for being you know low budget and not really having great effects um so that could be another thing it's just you know it's just the studio that made it but there's just yeah there is some parts where it's kind of like come on that looks really bad um, well and I'm that gonna was your press for all this wonderful stuff behind me. Uh, <laughs> thank you, Press. I know you had your falling out with Scholastic, and Scholastic, I know you had your falling out with Parachute, but when I look at all this beautiful stuff behind me, it's all Parachute Press. They did all the licensing and my, all that crap. That was all them. They did all the merch. So thank you, Parachute Press, <laughs> for me in the fucking truckloads. <laughs> 
But yeah, uh, going back to Ghost Beach, I just I didn't like it just because I thought the acting was bad. I didn't think it was that interesting. I think that's an episode that's really bogged down by its terrible acting because it's just the kids don't do well. They sound like they don't know what their direction is. Um, when it gets to the point where they meet the ghost of Harrison Sadware, it's just like, I'm not a ghost. And it's like, okay. And then the kids are like, oh, that ghost is clever, making us think we're the ghosts. And then we're going to trap this ghost, but we're actually ghosts. And then, oh, no, your grandparents are ghosts. It's just, who's the ghost? Who's the ghost? That was the point. It's like, you're not supposed to know until, like, the very end, and it's revealed who is the ghost. I just love that. It's just meant to, I think it was meant to make you guess, but, like, at the same time, I see where you're coming from. It was a little all over the place in certain writing aspects. Well, that's another thing I love John Tron for is just like, uh, and I guess they were all ghosts or if they, if they weren't, I guess they are now. <laughs> so, um, no, uh, but we're going to talk about one more episode before we move on. Uh, we got to talk about probably the worst two parter of the entire series attack of the mutant. <laughs> yeah. The best. <laughs> Mutant is the greatest episode of all time because I'm a liar. That's one of my better qualities. Okay, I will say right now that is the best line in the whole episode. He's like, "You're a liar." Yes, I'm a liar. It's one of my better qualities. Like that's the best you line of the whole episode. There, though. Come on, you know who I'm quoting right there without saying it. <laughs> well, let's not linger on that. But um, <laughs> yeah. no, uh, attacking the mutant is hands down my least favorite two-part episode in the whole series it did not need to be two parts it drags on like crazy it's uh, I didn't long like it. it's long it goes on like forever and i'm sorry it's just i'd rather have an episode where this kid just goes into this creepy building he finds a super villain there's a superhero here like you don't need to him have him go back like again and again and be like, look, I'm in the comic book. Look, there I am. And, and then you got his, his dad who looks like a huge dork. I'm sorry. <laughs> like He looks like a bigger nerd than his son is. That's all I'm saying. Are you doing your homework or are you reading a comic book? Like, you know, he looks son, like something son. out of the freaking 1950s. <laughs> oh, yeah. He looks like he's out of a 1950s B movie. <laughs> <laughs> but we just remember that his friend is obsessed with rocks with rocks and, and it has nothing to do with the episode <laughs> it never comes back you never see rocks ever in the episode it's just there's just whole scenes of this kid talking about freaking rocks oh, and man, then I, and then uh i hate, got, I hate our protagonist i hate our protagonist skipper i'm sorry i am not i hate him all right i like, like him i like the actor better in click i think he is better in click than he is in attack of the mutant because yeah. this kid is just so annoying. He's just like, I don't know. It, it, this is the kind of kid you'd be like, nerd. <laughs> Geek. Like, can we talk about the random thing in the episode? He's the kid that would make bully. Yeah, no, I'm sorry. It's like, I don't I don't endorse bullying, but I'd bully the shit out of this kid. <laughs> would you read in there, nerd? <laughs> well, and it's just, it's, I mean, the late great. Adam West in this episode, very much the highlight. I mean, you you get a you get a star like Adam West, you know exactly what you're getting. And you got, um, you got two highlights in the episode: Adam West, and the other one, 
If you watch closely, when that bus goes past, there's a big... <laughs> yeah, there's a, there's a big old Goosebumps ad in this episode. <laughs> Read Goosebumps. Prince Koru's yeah, it doesn't, say like, doesn't say, like, two thumbs up. <laughs> it says, like, two thumbs up, Goosebumps. It's like, all right. You have, you're uh, going to have no. to show the audience what we're talking about. <laughs> well, I just love Adam West just, like... Again, you get Adam West, you know exactly what you're getting. He's doing the campy batman 60s batman sort of thing i love the, his lines in the episode there's a snake in my face like <laughs> and then he just i love how he just gives up in the episode he gets like tripped over and he's just like yeah. i'm out of here it's just the kid's just like what where are you going <laughs> he just it's started like, out of control after sitting in a mass mutant chair and Next thing you know, he's like, oh, I'm, I'm too old for this. Yeah, he, yeah he's yeah. just like, I'm too old for this shit. I'm out of here. It's right. almost like it's almost like his paycheck was being waved off screen and he just grabbed it while he went off set. <laughs> he's just like, thank <laughs> you. You know, supposed to save the world. Uh, well, yeah, wasn't there, wasn't there a story where, like, he only would do the episode if he got to keep the costume? So Adam yeah. West got to keep the Galloping Gazelle costume after they wrapped filming. Um, I, I actually like the. I will plan. say I like the actor who plays the mass mutant too. I think he is. I think he's pretty funny in the role. He plays like he plays that sort of campy, like villain role. He was in Welcome to Dead House too. He was the hard hat guy. No uh, he also voiced Darby. He also voiced uh, the haunted mask and the haunted mask too. That's exactly. true too. Yeah. yeah I, I've, I've got to look who this guy is, but he uh, he plays the mass mutant. Uh, it ended up being him who voiced the haunted mask. Yeah, but uh, yeah. he does a good job as the mass mutant. I like how over the top he is. I think he's funny in his delivery. Like I said, we mentioned the line before. Yes, I'm a liar. Uh, but I also like when he's dying. He's just like, you tricked me. The great mask mutant tricked by a boy. <laughs> and yeah. then he's like, ah! Like, that's kind of funny. I, I thought he did a really good job. But I just think the episode is too too damn long. It's boring as heck. And it's just not interesting. I think it's... It didn't need to be two parts. It could have no. been one part. It didn't I, even need to be made. No, it, no, I don't think it did either. But if you're going to make it, don't make it two parts. Please. Please. I, I think the book was better, honestly. Like It's one of those stories that... It, it doesn't translate well onto screen. Like, I think the book is just bad off to read it. Um, yeah. I really don't think it translated well. It's like, it's like even going off topic a little bit now, but like it, right? It chapter two, even though they tried to go kind of book accurate with the whole lights and stuff at the end of the second movie, a lot of people hated it. And I was like, it just didn't translate well to the big screen as it did from the book. Like, it's a weird thing, you know? And I think Attack of the Mutants is one of those episodes that, it's better as just a book, you know? Like, you know what they could have done? They could have even just released a comic book of it. Yeah, I would have liked I would have liked that. How we got all these Goosebumps graphic novels and comic adaptations. Why don't we have one for Attack of the Mutant? That makes we sense. That one makes that sense to make into a comic book. Yeah. Like that would be cool. Oh, and one more thing. Stretch it. <laughs> <laughs> what a way to end an episode, am I right? It was great. It was a great podcast. On that note, yeah, stretch it. Stretch what? <laughs> what are you stretching? I don't think we can talk that. <laughs> no, no. 
anyway, no, I mean, look, we we talked, we rattled on so many episodes. I think the moral of the story is that Goosebumps had a lot of good episodes and it had a lot of bad episodes. Um, I think the thing is, though, there are episodes that can be bad and enjoyable and episodes that are just bad and I don't like watching them. Go Eat Worms, Say Cheese and Die Again, Teacher's Pet, Strain Peas, uh, Attack of the Mutant. Those are episodes I don't want to ever revisit because yeah. I just do not like them. Well, stuff like My Hairiest Adventure and Don't Go to Sleep, those ones are bad, but I really enjoy watching them because of yeah. how bad they are. So yeah. Yeah. I think it just depends on what you consider uh, enjoyable or not. So I yeah. think that's our moral for and this topic. An old story is one that's bad, but I can watch it because it's yeah, like... it's enjoyable. Like, hilarious. Weird. It's a weird concept, and I, I, I can watch it, you know, like for that reason. And I think... Yeah, I think that's that's like one of those episodes too. You can watch it, but it's it, look, it's bad, but it's hey, it's it's an enjoyable episode. Absolutely, and yeah. could go for a lot of them. Well, we're gonna move on to talking about some of the classic Goosebumps reprints that came out in the late two thousands. But first, we have a word from our sponsor. This episode is sponsored by Stevie Wicks Candle Company. It's a well-known fact that everyone loves a good-smelling candle every now and then. Stevie Wicks has you covered as they specialize in quality-made scented candles. Not only do they have a large array of scents to choose from, but because Stevie Wicks candles are made from biodegradable soy-based wax, their candles burn slower and last longer. And if that wasn't enough, Stevie Wicks not only sells single and three-wick candles, but they even sell jewelry, making Stevie Wicks a great place to get gifts for someone you know, and their monthly subscription boxes make for a gift that keeps on giving all year long. If you're a fan of Goosebumps like we are and are in the mood for some spooky-smelling scents, they also have a selection for those who dabble in the supernatural, including Dragon's Blood, Witch's Brew, and Candy Corn. And Goosebumps Crew listeners have access to a very special deal. If you sign up for Stevie Wicks' monthly subscription box and use promo code LISTENERBEWARE at checkout, not only will you get 10% off your first month, but Stevie Wicks will make sure your box is filled with Halloween-themed scents no matter the time of year. But wait, there's more! If you use promo code HAUNTED20 when purchasing your first subscription box, you'll get 20% off your first month. Or if you just want to snag something specific for yourself or a friend, you can use promo code SLAPPY10 to get 10% off any order. So what are you waiting for? Go to StevieWicks.com or click the link in the description to go snag yourself some quality made candles and snag some deals with our special Goosebumps promo codes. And of course, thanks to StevieWicks Candle Company for sponsoring this episode. And now, back to more Goosebumps. So I think uh, our next topic, we're going to be talking about the classic Goosebumps reprints. Uh, these are the ones that started releasing alongside the Horrorland series in 2008. Uh, now, the thing with these books is that um, when they came out, so they had brand new cover art. They had a brand new logo. They had a brand new art. They had correlation with the books coming out. So, like, obviously the first Horrorland book was Revenge of the Living Dummy. So we got Night of the Living Dummy as the first reprint. And these were really interesting. Um, I remember these were coming out when I first got into the series. And these were all over the place. They had bonus features in the back. They had, like, trivia. They had Q&A with R.L. Stein. Um, they had all, the, like, they'd have, like, jokes. Like, in this one, in Night of the Living Dummy, they have a page for Slappy's Greatest Wisecracks. Like, that's kind of funny. I remember that. Yeah. yeah. It's like, I've seen right. pimples prettier than you. 
Like that's funny. These these were great uh, reissues of the books. I love the what's for dinner things I used to do as well. <laughs> like the different like it tell you about like cockroaches or like flies, and then it would tell you like what's for dinner, and it would well, say this one. They even have, like, a guide to ventriloquism in this book. Like, it tells you, like, how you can, like, be a ventriloquist. Like, that's really interesting. But my personal favorite parts of these books, and they kind of dropped it after a while, which sucks, is uh, the Fright Gallery. I like that they had, like, they talked about the individual, like, monsters. And they would show, like, the original cover art in this back page and even talk about, like, some of the other books they're in. Um... So they'd be like living or dead, and it's like both. <laughs> like that's kind of funny. Yeah. Well, Slappy is technically like living and dead because, well, I mean, he's a spirit that is inside a doll. So it's like, how do you, you know? It's kind of like I like this. His hobbies and interests: daydreaming about what he'll do when he becomes supreme ruler of the human race. <laughs> like yeah. that's that's kind of funny. But I love these reissues, and another reason why they're so memorable is because of the cover art by Brandon Dorman. Now, we talked about this when we had Tim Jacobus on board, but Brandon Dorman was brought on to do the cover arts for these books um, after Tim Jacobus had uh, left the series. And uh, he kind of stuck around with it for, I, I actually, I, I do believe that Brandon actually was on the series longer than Tim was, because uh, he started in 08 and then very recently uh, got replaced with someone new. At least I think. Uh, I think House of Shivers has a brand new cover artist uh, from now on until whenever. But uh, what do you guys think of, I guess, first of all, what do you guys think of Brandon Dorman's artwork? Do you guys think it's good? Do you think it's good updates of the classic stories? So for me personally, I'm a Jacobus fan through and through. I mean, his art's what got me into Goosebumps in the first place. It's what made me do art in school and almost go to college for and everything else. So Jacobus is always number one to me. However, I do like some of the covers that Brandon Dorman's done. Now, they're not all my favorites, for sure. Like, there are some that, are, I don't know, just don't vibe with me. Uh, I don't know if it's just the his take on those characters or, you know, the color some of them like see that one right there the abominable snowman i actually like that one mm -hmm. uh, i like the coloring on it i like the texture of you know the snowman i like it better i think maybe than tim's um so there are some that just not this one is one of my least favorites i think it took away from the original just it, it, i just don't think it looks good having just the mask in the background like just not it, it 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 you have more focus on these kids right here than you do on the haunted mask right. so it's i don't know that one i didn't gel with but no. there is one that i really like and that's say cheese and die i think say cheese and die has a great updated um cover art i love the skull in the camera i like that it looks like the dude is actually dead like that's kind of cool i like that i also like Living Dummy 2. I think Living Dummy 2 has a really good updated cover art from the original. But I still prefer the original more. Let's yeah, get that clear. The original is still good. But there is, there was one, and I can't remember what it is. Oh, 
The Scarecrow walks at midnight. This is the one that I think actually is better than the Jacobus one, just because I love the pumpkin head on it. And I love how, like, raggedy it, it, raggedy all the clothes look. I like that it's almost kind of like a big gust of wind. But the thing about Brandon's work compared to Tim's is that Tim's was a little more subtle. It was a little more cartoony. Brandon's is definitely a lot more garish. It's a lot more sinister. It's a lot more in-your-face, sort of. Like, Return of the Mummy is it's pretty much the same idea as Tim's, but there's a lot more like the colors are way more vibrant and in your face. Yeah. Um, or ghost beach, like ghost beach also has a ghost on it by a beach, but this one is way more like it has an actual face on it. When you compare it to Tim's it's, Tim's. it's a faceless phantom, yeah. which it depends. Admit- his the Lawn Gnome was pretty creepy on the uh, Revenge of the Lawn Gnomes cover. Mm. I used to think it looked pretty pretty menacing um, on the cover of Revenge of the Lawn Gnomes. Yeah, certain ones, like, I do agree, like, they have more of a creepy sort of a vibe. I mean, I'm always Tim Jacobus. He's number one to me. He's he's not only the number one Goosebumps author, he's, he's God, man. He's, like, he's God. Yeah. He's, like, <laughs> you know, when it comes to Goosebumps, he, he as an illustrator, that's how I, I see him. You know what I mean? Like, he's not just, like, he's not human. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> he's not quite, like, a god. He's not quite human. He's like Hercules. Like, he's that in-between thing. And uh, <laughs> yeah, as an illustrator, he's definitely, oh, man, like, he, he he's number one. But like you said, there are certain ones that definitely have a bit more, like, daring, like, in terms of creepy. Like, I think this definitely looks a little more creepy, disturbing. One thing creepy. I like is that Horror oh? Camp Jelly Jam actually has King Jelly Jam on it. Yeah, 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 I was just about to pull that one out. Like, obviously, it's my favorite Goosebump book of all time. So it was, I must admit, I was pretty excited that we actually got a book with King Jelly Jam on it. So, but at the same time, the one with Buddy is just. Well, I personally think that Brandon's work definitely shined in the Horrorland books as opposed to the classic Goosebumps, because obviously those ones are, are definitely their own original takes on original stories. Um, where these ones are definitely taking from the original artwork. Um, and, like, this one is not as good. It's not as good as the original One Day at Horrorland with the sign and the monster over it. This one, it's, it actually is more akin to Return to Horrorland with the ice cream and the horror. Even the purple. You can even see, like, even the purple of the horror is kind of akin more to that one. Um, the Whale for Thieves Swamp. Now, one interesting thing that this series did is it at not only obviously it started off doing the original series, but eventually it started doing uh, series 2000 books, uh, reprinting some of those and even got one Give Yourself Goosebumps reprint in there. Um, that was pretty interesting because it's the first time we got reprints of those books uh, as opposed to just the original series. What did you guys think of that when you saw that? these books were getting reprints. I was pretty excited when uh, I heard Bride Living Dummy was going to get one because that's always been a personal favorite. Like my, initially it was more like we had already seen Slappy in Brandon Dorman's work. How was he going to do Mary Ellen? That was my question. And uh, yeah, I honestly, I think it looks, you can tell he's taken um, anytime he's done a book cover, like he's taken inspiration from Tim's work. 
for some of them, not all of them, but some of them. Um, like Shock on Shock Street, Bride Loving Dummy, The Haunted Car, like they're all somewhat got that similar um, setting in the art, of course, but it's in his style. Um, but yeah, no, I, I must admit, I did like Bright Loving Dummy, and I, I thought the haunted car looked really cool. And but you can't scare me. You uh, can't scare I, me. Has a, I like, I like that it does reuse the same color palette. It's got a lot of the browns and yellows. I just yeah. like the subtlety in Tim's one more because I think that one's a little creepier. These ones are a lot more like misshapen. Like these ones look a lot more. I don't know. There's just something about tims where they look more human and thus they look more terrifying there was another one too i actually i don't know what was the one well, the that one, like you know uh bjorn had up just a minute ago was werewolf fever swamp you know i absolutely love the original cover that tim did i mean the color everything about that whole that's thing. one of the best just a wolf um i i wouldn't have minded him doing a little bit more werewolfy stuff uh in his art, but the wolf still looks amazing. However, on Brandon's, he did try to go that werewolf route, but man, I don't know. It's just like it looks too chunky. Yeah. Like too much blob werewolf, and it just throws you off. I don't. I don't really like that cover. Attack of the Graveyard Ghouls is one of my favorite series 2000 covers by Tim. That's one of my favorite covers that Tim ever did. And while this one is more accurate to the book itself. It doesn't feel the same as Tim's. Those zombies coming out with the flesh rotting and the eyes popping out is not going to be beaten by shit ghouls. (laughs) That's one of the most daring, like you said, Tim Jacobus artworks. That one, Return to Ghost Camp, is another one. Like, they just look freaky. We're going to talk more about Series 2000 covers when we eventually talk about Series 2000. But those those covers were absolutely incredible. Uh, but, but enough about the covers. Let's let's actually talk about some of these books because so for a while these were coming out in conjunction with the Horrorland books, and then eventually uh, the Horrorland books stopped, and then they started coming out with ones that were related to the movies. So in 2015 we got a lot of ones that were related to monsters in the movie. So you had the Graveyard Ghouls and the Haunted Car, and you had uh, what was another one? You had the Prey Mantis, Shocker on Shock Street. Yeah, Shocker on Shock Street. You had the blob that ate everyone. Uh, had, of course, had Fifi. Not only gonna be two and three. Yeah, Shocker on Shock Street with the Praying Mantis. You had Abominable Snowman, Pasadena. So you had a lot of ones that were coming out with those. And then when Goosebumps 2 came out, and these were the most recent ones, where when Goosebumps 2 came out, you got Bride of the Living Dummy, and you got... Uh, the Haunted Mask 2, which I don't have, along with Attack of the Jack-O-Lanterns. I don't have that one either, unfortunately. Um, but, yeah, and those were the last ones that we got. And They're not the same as those ones. I've only found, believe it or not, I've only got one set. I'll go grab them now, but I I don't have many of the... I think I have two of Bride Living Dummy because I oh. deliberately ordered two of them. And the Headless the Ghost. Headless Ghost. And I thought the Headless Ghost was going to be in the movie. Because yeah. they did the... So we got Haunted Mask 2, Bride of the Living Dummy, Attack of the Jack-Lanterns, and the Headless Ghost. And those were weird choices, because, I mean, Bride of the Living Dummy I get, because you have a movie with Slappy, so another Slappy book is inevitable. Attack of the Jack-Lanterns, it's a Halloween story. And, of course, Haunted Mask 2. 
I mean, I don't know. Maybe they made a little sense, but not for the fact that any of those monsters were in the movie. They weren't. <laughs> but, um, I mean, it was, I guess they were trying to go for more Halloween-y stories. Um, I don't know. It just, I just remember the original run, like the first eight. Like these were the these were the classics. These were the Deep Trouble and Say Cheese and Die and Night of the Living Dummy and Monster Blood. Like I actually really like the Monster Blood cover on this one. I like that it's a it's a like coming out of the trash can and it's sort of forming a big monster. Um, yeah, I don't know. I mean, I guess there's not really much to say about these books, but I just remember like seeing them everywhere i remember seeing them at the book fair when i was younger i definitely ordered two of them because uh <laughs> i got them in there but yeah like i only ordered one each of the um the other three i only ordered one each of those so because at the time it was like i it's weird i never saw a single one of these on the shelf I had to order these. It's really weird. Like I, it's like they had a very limited run of the. Um, I'm surprised they didn't do like, like with the first movie they did the movie box set, which had Slappy on one side, the Vulnerable Simon on the other. I thought they might have done like a little mini box set that had like four books in it, and they would have done for these, but they didn't. They just randomly were like, oh yeah, we'll do another four. But I've never seen one on the store shelf, so it just goes to show that I don't think they did many of these. But at the time, you know, being a Slappy guy, I was like. Well, I'm going to order two of this one, of course. Um, yeah. Yeah, it's really weird. And they're sleeved up, especially since I only have one of each. Those those bad boys are going to be sleeved up. <laughs> well, and my thing was, and I think I just realized that I wrote in this book, because I've had, this is a book I've had for years. I just realized I wrote in it, or I, oh. I, I did the, the stuff, but they even had, like, a recipe for Monster Blood Punch, like in the monster blood book and they even had like can you save the world from monster blood and the first question is if one of your friends finds a can of monster blood on a dusty shelf you tell him to a open it b leave it alone or c call slappy the dummy <laughs> call slappy the dummy and the whole thing is you have to answer b to each question like literally it's the same it's the same answer for each one i would say i love you slappy i'll be your slave i'll do whatever you want and he'd be like, oh, okay. <laughs> and you call Zach Baby TV. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. The thing Zach I like Baby about the... The thing I like about the early books, too, is that these ones, you if you bought the Horrorland book and the classic Goosebumps, it would be like, do you, have you done everything in this map? Because we talked about how there was an Enter Horrorland game, and every new book came with a new map. So this was like, climb aboard the Hungry Crocs ride and wait till the monster police aren't looking and use their x-ray machine. I don't know. I just love that these books like kind of incentivize interactivity with the stuff that was going on at the time alongside the Horrorland books. And I think the, the newer ones kind of lost that. It just became another way to tie in with the movie. Are they releasing more of these? I swear I saw a post recently that they're doing more of the classic books. Is Brandon Dorman doing those? I don't know. So recently with the release of the new show, there is talks about reprints of Go Eat Worms and The Cuckoo Clock of Doom. I don't know if A, they're part of this series, and B, if they're being done by Brandon or they're being done by 
the the person who's doing House of Shivers right now. Uh, with that being said, I don't know if they're going to revisit this series because, like I said, there haven't been new books <laughs> in this reprint series since 2018, and that was five years ago. So yeah. I'm not sure. Um, I, I mean, there was a three-year gap between the first movie and the second movie, so I don't know. And there's no Monster Blood 2. There's no Monster Blood 3. There's no uh, Werewolf Skin. There's no Legend of the Lost Legend. Like, they haven't done all 62. Mm-hmm. Like, they haven't done them all. And, well, I mean, I, if we're getting Cuckoo Clock of Doom and Goat Worms, at least we're getting another two. Like, it's almost like eventually we may get all of them. Um, but, yeah, I, I think it's I think it's. Well, this was the first time that Phantom of the Auditorium got a reprint. Because, um, and well, another reason that these reprints are cool is because unlike the original reprints from like the early 2000s they actually have more stuff going on with them and new cover art um but this was the first time that phantom of the auditorium got a reprint because it didn't in that original series um yeah so that was pretty neat but um i don't know what's another one i guess long story short like i enjoy i like brandon dorman's art like like Tim said, he is a solid artist. And he said, if you look at his art separate from Goosebumps, not comparing it to Tim's work, he's a solid artist. And I mean, look, we've seen that with, I wouldn't say every single one of his Goosebumps book covers, but we've seen it with some of them for sure. Like there mm-hmm. are some that you could easily like um, compare with other artists from Goosebumps in the past. Like you could literally do like, we could do a whole video where we say, we could do a whole video where we hold up Tim's art, the new art, go Tim or Brandon? Tim! And we could do, like, a vote. We could go through well, all and them. you can certainly but, see that some of them are very similar to Tim's work. Like, I, these two, for example, are very similar. Well, th- this one, technically, the original wasn't Tim. <laughs> it was Jim Thiessen. But you can see where, like, these are kind of similar to each other. The executioner is walking down from a corridor, just like in Tim's one. But I don't know. I I find it interesting that you have a series of books that kind of modernizes it and you can kind of compare and contrast. But I mean, people know that Tim's is better. Yeah. (laughs) Don't go around telling nobody that, but Tim's is kind of better. Okay. He's Hercules in the Goosebumps universe. Like, because no one can be a god, and but no one can be human, because Tim is not human when you look at how many Goosebump books. It's like he literally was sitting in that basement throughout the whole mid-90s, just strapped to the beast. Pumping <laughs> 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 out. Like, he's not human, man. Like, and but he's like, yeah, he's something in between. So I'm going to say he is uh, Tim Jacobulus. <laughs> That's his, this that's is his, like this is one I actually like more than the original. I will say is Curse of the Mummy's Tomb. I like the design of this mummy more than the original, personally. There's more going on in that one than yeah, um, just the face. But like Return of the Mummy is oh man, that's like I love Tim's cover of that. I just love how it's just poking out of the you know the sarcophagus. Yeah. <laughs> I love that. Yeah, see, yeah. like that's. But I, I think Tim's version of Return of the Mummy is definitely... Like, yeah. Hands uh, down. We could definitely compare and contrast all day, but um, I wanted to take a moment to talk about the books because they were just the ones that I remember growing up with. Uh, they were all over the place. Um, I don't know. Are, I, 
Sadly. Did you guys have any attachment to these reprints, or were they just another thing coming out? Yeah, like certain ones. Certain ones. Like I remember, I remember before they the movies came out. Like it was actually hard to find them in Australia. I'm not gonna lie. Um, I couldn't find them in Australia very commonly before the movie. When the movie came out, that's when that you could just find like these box sets and stuff just everywhere. And um, I remember really wanting, of course, Night of the Living Dummy. I had to have the the new version of it, even though it wasn't Tim's. And uh, believe it or not, they did even first, second, third, fourth prints of those books. And to find a first edition first print, like first print of that Night of the Living Dummy 2008 version is actually not very easy to find. Um, I've got about this many. Like, I'm talking a pretty hefty stack, and I only ended up ever getting one because... The one that was a first edition first print was back when the books were first released and I had to have them because it was Goosebumps. It was new and being the crazy Goosebumps freak that I am, I had to get it. And not many bookstores were carrying them, believe it or not, here. And I remember that particular copy is the only first edition first print I own. So because like they actually did like a second wave, a third wave. And then when the movie came out, they did a massive wave that had like now major motion picture on the top. Like, I find these at book festivals all the time, like stacks yeah. of them. Like, and they're all from the movies released because they just, they went crazy. That's well, what I mean. Don't be fooled because they reprinted a lot of these. And the ones that had, say now a major motion picture, I feel like they, I think they actually get rid of the bonus features. I yeah, think the do. reprints of the original ones when Horrorland was out. They actually get rid of the bonus features, which is something I don't like. I like having all the the bonus content in here. I like that this one has the the Horrorland and the classics, so it's like yeah, the original series from R.L. Stein with all new behind the scenes content. And then you also got like, ooh, this is coming in June. This is coming in August. Like I don't know. There's something charming about that. For me hey let's not forget we've been getting tim's book in tin form yes <laughs> well that's the thing i wonder if the age of this modernization is kind of over because we've been getting a lot more of the classic goosebumps art in uh reprint material lately like those tins those are the originals um as opposed to reprints and that's interesting because you got that was probably the most interesting tin selection for the well because that one is the called the 25th anniversary tin and that we is a legends Legend. that is it's a like, strange but, assortment of books i mean i'm afraid of bees my monster blood night of terror tower i sort of get but why i'm afraid of bees and beasts from the east i like the cover for beasts from the east i just didn't much care for the story it was okay yeah uh, it, it still all, think it could have been adapted to a, an episode a live action episode pretty fun but yeah. book itself not so much i never yeah. fan of like the reprint stuff though because i grew up in the 90s of course you know i may yeah, look yeah. like a young buck but i'm an older one i'm a i'm a seasoned vet of the goosebumps world <laughs> <laughs> i was there yeah. Three thousand years ago. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. A mixture of old and 
which was very weird in my opinion. They did a bit of Brandon, a bit of Tim on the 20. Do you remember when they did that random 2020 calendar? Yeah, yeah. I have that calendar. They should do then, more of those. Front, they should, I, yeah. when, when they did bring this out, I thought there was going to be the start of a trend where Scholastic did it, started doing the calendars again, but it was just a one-off <laughs> that year. And it wasn't even like the year of the movie or anything. It was 2020. I'm like, it was a weird the- year to do that. Yeah. Yeah. Where was the calendar in 2015 when the yeah, first movie? Where was the calendar in 2015? And now trying to find that calendar secondhand, you know, it's hard to do. But when you do, it's like astronomically expensive. Yeah. Like, I got the- for a calendar. It's like, heck no. I got, I got two of them, man. That's why you get them when you can. Otherwise, soon it's going to be rare. Go get that Goosebumps game while you're at it. Probably going to be rare soon. <laughs> oh, yeah, so, probably. Like yeah. anything yeah, from the I bought movie. Two. I kept one sealed and uh, opened one so I could uh, show everybody. I mean, I want to play it eventually. I just haven't had time this week. Yeah. Uh, I but, can't wait to get blind. Yeah. Well, <laughs> well, I do need to point out, did anyone get the slappy bobblehead from the Goosebumps movie, the promotional one? Because there was a guy selling a bulk of them on eBay at one point, and he was selling them for five bucks each. And now, oh, wow, really? you can't get them now. Like, they are gone. It's as if this guy scalped them, but I don't think he did if he was selling them for that cheap. Or he just stumbled. He got a, a massive box that was just never used or whatever. And was like, I don't care about this shit. I'm just going to sell it for, like, five bucks. And... I ended up getting three from this one guy. I was like, if they're five bucks each, I'm going to buy three. <laughs> but hey, that's rare. Lucky. the promo bobblehead of Slappy from the Goosebump movie, like you just, you can't find them now. So if anybody wants one, I think I've got about four now. I'm going to, I'm going to sell them to you for $1,000 each. <laughs> <laughs> well, we'll have to worry about that another time because we are out of time for this episode of the Goosebumps crew podcast. I want to thank my Goosebumps cohorts, Bjorn Pandle, Goosebumps Saucy fan, and Nick Shaw Shawin uh, for joining me again tonight. And uh, go ahead and check them out on their social medias and their YouTubes. Go and check out our other friend, Micah, the ultimate Goosebumps man, uh, who was unable to join us tonight. Go check out his channel, too. He'll be with us next week when we talk about Goosebumps physical media and how to reboot the classic Goosebumps series, or rather the new series, just our way of rebooting. Uh, so if you want to see that episode, go ahead and give us a sub over here at the Goosebumps channel for more Goosebumps crew episodes as well as new Goosebumps videos. And uh, again, go follow all these wonderful people on their social medias. They really deserve it. And uh, yeah, so for all we're here at the Goosebumps crew, thank you guys for joining us and have a scary day. Bye.